I've experienced being a contortionist. I've been standing like literally for 30 minutes. I remember standing with my arm over my head, but then my one hand behind my back in like a weird way. Welcome back to Drive With Us, a podcast where we bring on a new guest every episode to talk about the crazy things they experience on the road, who they are as drivers, and how they became the driver they are today. I'm Bhavneet. And I'm Taranjeet. And today's driver is Adrian, the host of the Unknown Games podcast, and he is a 31-year-old African-American who dreams of making comics in Japan where he has lived for nine years. So we talk about the differences of driving in America versus driving in Japan and his raziest story he shared with us of accidentally backing down the hill without turning the car on. Welcome, Adrian. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. I'm very glad to be here. It's uh, it's an honor to be on another podcast. We're glad to have you too. Let's jump right in. One of the first questions we love asking all our guests is, what is one of the craziest or funniest or most interesting things that you have experienced while on the road? Oh, man. I I know we were kind of talking about this before the show, and I was asking myself, what is the craziest? What's Which one should I tell? Because they're all kind of crazy. I, I had to choose between Rec 1, Rec 2, or Rec 3. We want to hear them all. <laughs> all, all of them? Really? All of yes. them? <laughs> okay. Well, Rec 1, <laughs> rec one uh, is probably the craziest one where I honestly, it was right after I had gotten my driver's license in high school, and my mom told me, you know, I was driving home from band practice and she always would tell me, come straight home. Do not go anywhere else. If you do, I will know. And I'm like, mom, how would you know if I go anywhere else if I'm home before you get home, right? I, you know, there was a girl I liked in band and I drove her back to her place and she happened to live on this mountain. Huntsville, Alabama is, we've got mountains and hills, big ones. And this one, like literally, if you coast down her driveway, you're going to hit at least 25 to 30 miles an hour, maybe 40. Wow. It's, it, it's horrible. And I had the smart idea of going up there and uh, on both sides of the driveway, there's no railing. There's no fencing. It's just kind of a drop off into, I guess, like a forest. It's weird. There was nothing there to protect you from if you went off the side. So they're used to backing down this driveway or uh, doing a three-point turn down it. And here I am. I was like nervous because I'm like, wait, how do I, how do I, how do I get down from this hill? I pulled in, but how do I? So I turned the car on, or so I thought, or my truck at the time. And I'm slowly kind of like coasting down. And I'm like, wait, the brakes are on. Like, what what's happening? I'm turning the steering wheel because I'm thinking that I can kind of go straight down the hill. That wasn't smart. And the steering wheel, it turns out like essentially I didn't fully start the car. So the steering wheel is starting to lock up and I'm starting to turn all the way towards that drop off. And I'm just like, what, what, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I forgot to mention, I also had another friend in the car. So he was like, pump the brakes, pump the brakes. And I'm like, I am, I'm pumping them. <laughs> and, and he was just like, do something. I'm like, the steering, when the steering wheel actually locked into place, I was like, oh, God, we're going to die. <laughs> that was my thought at the time. And luckily, I guess you if you want to call this luck, it definitely is. Uh, the steering wheel w- locked into the where there's there was only one tree 
one tree that was tall enough that when I hit it, like you, you wouldn't go off that drop off. You wouldn't fall off of it. So I hit the one tree in the very most luckiest time to uh, not go off the edge of a cliff. And uh, I called my mom. My mom said, see, I told you. <laughs> Did she know? I find out. <laughs> Did she know that you weren't? <laughs> and she knew. Yeah, she knew. And then she had to come and pick me up. <laughs> she was like, hmm. So the only damage I had from that was just a uh, my bumper. My bumper was just bent. It was like a V. That was it. It was nice. Oh, wow. You really lucked out in this. I lucked out in this. The second one, not so much. So the second one was when I was in college, I believe, and I was still driving the same truck. Uh, it actually had just gotten out of the shop from the second accident. Second accident, because I live in the countryside, is related to internet. Uh, I don't have internet at home. Like literally, there's no phone signal at home. There's almost nothing. You go home, there's no cable. It's like you go back in time. The only thing on TV are 60s and 70s TV shows like reruns. And yeah, I'm like 30 minutes outside of civilization. So anytime I have to use the internet, I need to go to Barnes and Noble or like a bookstore to get like Wi-Fi. So I'm going to Barnes and Noble on this kind of narrow road. And this one wasn't my fault. This was just, uh, uh, I was stopping and somebody behind me actually just, they just didn't stop for some reason. I don't know why they just didn't stop. They were from out of town. They were from New York and they just hit me uh, in the back. And I remember watching from my rear view mirror as it happened. And it traumatized me because like for the next four or five years, anytime I looked in the rear view mirror, I always thought someone was going to hit me hundred percent of the time. I just thought um, I, I, I tensed up like, please don't hit me. Please don't hit just me. Just traumatized you. So it, 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 it traumatized me. I was like, I'm, I'm going to relive it again every time. But essentially, you know, that wore off. But I think it was, you know, after the sh my truck got out of the shop uh, a couple of weeks after that, you know, I'm driving home from church. My mom's like, hey, go, go get a, you know, get something from Walmart. And I'm like, okay, sure. And it's this road that's two lanes and then there's a ditch, uh, like a V ditch. And then there's two more lanes and then there's another ditch. And then there's like a fence and it's right next to the airport. So I'm driving along that road. It's this really long turn. And this is back when people had CDs in their car and they would change them. So I was changing a CD, trying to change a CD and not keeping my eyes on the road. And I ran on the side of the road where you, you kind of have that kind of gravel feel, like where you're supposed to pull off if something happens to your car. And yeah. So I, I never had actually felt that side of the road before. And it freaked me out so much that I turned and overcompensated so much that I went into the ditch, ditch one, and I popped out of that ditch. And then I went across the other two lanes. And then I went into another oh ditch. Oh my gosh. And then I hit the fence. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was luckily the I mean, the fence was broken. My car was a complete V shape. I mean, like it was totaled. They, they said like that truck, you're like, you're not driving that ever again. And- uh, Were you okay? Yeah, I was perfectly fine. I was fine. I was screaming <laughs> like as I went across with my eyes closed. Oh, and I was just like, how, how is this happening? What unlucky day is this for me to like, there's no one even on the road and I have a wreck. Like what? So anyways, that was, those were my- those are my wrecks. Did these accidents happen in like a shorter span of time or were they more like spaced out? So the first accident was right around in high school, like when I first started. So I would say like 2006, 
six, I would say. And then the other ones were literally like two, I'd say like a month apart around like maybe 2011 or something. That sounds about right. I would definitely say you are very lucky when it comes. Well, not like lucky that you got an accident, but lucky that you are able to get out of them safe. I, I, I agree. (laughs) I agree. I, I am, I'm very thankful uh, that in all of those cases that no one else was hurt. I wasn't hurt. And, you know, I was able to walk out without any, any injuries that I know of. Yeah. The most important part is like, it doesn't really matter about the car because the car could be bought again, but it, your life is precious. Like once that's gone, like what else are you going to do? Buy another car. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> like, yeah, you're right. You're right. Once, once you are gone, like you can't, you know, you can't replace your life or someone else's life. So it's always exactly the best to, to drive, drive safe, your PSA for the day. Did you learn anything from these accidents after they happened? Uh, yes. I honestly, I think with each accident, I learned to drive more cautious. Um, that was, yeah, that's about it. Honestly. That, that's probably the best thing. Like I learned to drive more cautious. Like now I drive, like I, I wouldn't say I'm an elderly driver, but I do drive speed limit. Like I, I, I drive speed limit. I don't ever go over speed limit, not even like five miles. Like, you know, like normally you're like, yeah, I can go five miles over. It's fine. Whatever. I now go either speed limit or five miles below speed limit, no matter what. And yeah, I, I'm just generally very cautious as a driver. So when I'm turning out, I make sure that I have 100% like, I don't have to like pull out really fast, but I can just go smooth and there's no worries. That's, it might take longer. And it, you know, sometimes I worry about the other cars behind me, like getting upset or even someone in my passenger side, but at the overall end of the day, I'm more cautious and a safer driver. Maybe you needed these moments to happen to help prepare you and become a better driver for the future. Maybe it was meant to be to teach you something. I would like to think so. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, all those life experiences were always (laughs) meant to teach me a lesson. And they did. And they did. I think if, if they didn't happen, then I would definitely, I would be a different driver. And I wouldn't, honestly, I probably wouldn't be able to drive in Japan, 100%. Speaking of Japan, there are typically stereotypes that are associated with drivers of different areas. And since you have been in both the U.S. and Japan, would you say that there are stereotypes of drivers in those areas? Um, I think so, because I've driven in both the city area of Japan, like in Tokyo, like the intersection, not intersection, but the, the interstate and, and then I've also been, you know, out in rural Japan, uh, up near Fukushima and where there's like very little, like very few cars on the road. And it's definitely a difference. Like in the city, everyone's driving fast. Uh, you even have like just sports cars just straight up, just right next to you. And I mean, they're not even, they don't care about the speed limit because police don't really, I, I mean, police are a joke in Japan. I'm sorry, Japan, <laughs> Japanese police. I mean, like they, they really are. They they don't really have the same in, uh, threatening presence as like American police in terms of like you see the police car, you want to slow down. Like in Japan, if you have a fast car, you see a police, you just keep driving because you know they're not going to catch you. You're, they're not even going to try to. They're not really going to care that much. Um, so people kind of drive faster in the city, uh, especially if they have a faster car. But in the countryside, it's really slow. I mean, it's like your grandma slow and no one's in front of them. You're like, why are you, can you drive a little bit faster? There's no one in front of you. Literally, there's no one in front of you. So there's definitely those two, uh, I guess, stereotypes. 
in terms of like different geographical regions of, in Japan. That's that's really interesting because it seems kind of backwards when you think of like a city. You would think that people would be driving slower because it'd be like more people on the road, right? And then in, out in the rural country, it'd be like faster. Right, right. But like in Japan, and I think this is something that was a culture shock to me was that in the city, and this is why I don't actually like driving in the city. You, it's very much a kind of I, I think it might be like this in California, where you know bikes are still on the road with you, like people who are on motorbikes or if they're on like a bicycle, uh, they're both there on the side, like your left side, so they can come up on you at any time. Uh, even when you're turning, you're like, okay, I, I need to make sure that you know this direction is clear. But because the roads are so narrow here in Japan,、uh, there will be like delivery trucks on the side of the、uh, kind of a highway, right? Not the highway, but just I guess it is the highway <laughs> in the city, right? They're, they're they're kind of pulled over, but they're taking up most of the the lane you're driving in. And you know, in America, we might just kind of stop a little bit, like stop and then ease on over to the right. Japan, it's so normal that people just go around, like there's no. Slow down time and them recognizing, hey, there's a car in front of me. It stopped. I'm going to go over. I don't even think they look. It's crazy because it's it scares me. But like cars are just going in and out of lanes so fast, and I'm just like, I no, please <laughs> save me. <laughs> That seems like just like when we went to India. I feel like I don't know. Is it just an American thing to be like, oh yeah, be cautious about driving, but. Yeah, when we were in India, everyone just be like whooping around, and it's like no care for、right? whether there's oncoming traffic. It's just like, hey, I, you get used to it, I guess, is the thing. And I'm just like, after three wrecks, I don't think I can get used to it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> are there any like unique driving laws that are different in comparison to the U.S. versus Japan? Unique driving laws, and this is this is actually probably one of my weaker areas in、uh, Japanese driving in Japan, and. You'll probably once you listen to some more stories or ask me some more questions, you'll you'll find out. But、uh, in terms of laws, I think the biggest difference and that I had to get used to was, of course, driving on the opposite side of the road. That's one thing. But there's also, you know, no turning on red. I'm not sure, if, like, no turning right on red. If that's something that's across the U.S. that you can do. I think some states say no, and then other states say it's okay. 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 Alabama's like, hey, it's okay, and I, I came here. I'm like, can I? No, no, you, you don't do it. And then I guess other travel, like other laws, is that of course pedestrians have the right of way. There's a lot of、uh, traffic here、uh, in terms of like people walking across the street. And yeah, that's that's I guess about it. Bicycles don't turn into one way streets. There's so many one way streets, and yeah, I think that's the craziest traffic law. That's not really that crazy. How hard was it for you to like get used to switching from driving on the right to driving on the left? It was difficult. It was very. It was actually very difficult、um, because I first came here for teaching English, and I I was in that job for three years, and I didn't drive at all.、Uh, so there was actually a three year gap in between me driving in the U.S. and then me driving in Japan. And for my next job, they're like, "Hey, we need you to go work out in the countryside. You need a driver's license." I'm like, "This wasn't anywhere on the job interview." <laughs> so I'm like, "Okay, what do I do? I need to go get my driver's license." And driving in Japan is, in terms of getting your license, it's very much different than the U.S. You still have driver school, and luckily for me, like they're like, "Okay, you have an international license. You've driven for X amount of years, 
and you've shown proof of this. So we'll just let you take the paper test and then you can take the physical, the actual driving a test because driving school here costs 300 to $400. Well, that's how much for like a month. Oh, oh a month. Oh, yeah, yeah, a <laughs> I was month. Like, that's how a much month. we paid. But I'm like, wait, never mind. <laughs> and, and and what's crazy because they don't have a driver's ed for like high school either. So what? And this is the most annoying thing. And I and if you talk to a lot of foreigners here who've taken the driver's test, uh, it's different per state or per prefecture. My prefecture is in the top five for most accidents, so ours is very strict. And I, I mean, I was in the test with people who had failed eight times. Wow. The worst part, and it I, I failed three, so I can't tell I can't talk. <laughs> uh the worst part is that you have to pay twenty-five dollars, I think, around twenty-five dollars every time you take the test. And you can only take the test once it's either once a month or once every two weeks. It's really annoying. Oh, so they have like some strict rules there. It's it's really strict and I'm like, why? Because so the first time I took the test. I had no prior experience driving on the opposite side of the road. The, the first thing the driver instructor said was like, you're drifting to your, wait, which side? Uh, I'm drifting to the opposite side. So the left side, I believe. Oh, on the left side. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is why I don't do it anymore. <laughs> uh, because yeah, you're sitting on the, in the passenger's side. Uh, that's where you, you are now. So I was drifting to the side I'm not usually used to driving on. And I got to a stop sign and I think my car, like, what did I do? I, in Japan, they have a line that's before the stop sign. I stopped like, you know, before the stop sign, but I crossed the line and this line is, I guess, essentially to represent like where people could walk. Uh, and it's, and it, I understand it now, but as soon as I crossed that line, the driver's head instructor was like, you failed the test. I'm like, but I've only driven a minute. You failed. <laughs> Turn the car around. I'm like, Okay. The second time it was this maze there, like there's parallel. It's, it's horrible. It's, it's, <laughs> it is, it is literally like not the funnest thing you can ever do, but I, I think I've talked so much. I forgot the question. <laughs> <laughs> so they don't have like a point system. I like, and like in the U S they like give you X number of points you can get before you fail. Is it just like immediate fail no, no matter what you do wrong? There's there is a point system, but I I think it's weighted to the fact that some things are just automatic X's, or they just have it to where they want to make sure that you're a good driver. Because I've seen people fail at the very start of the test, and we have a similar part in America where you know you need to check your drivers, uh, that your mirrors, adjust everything, uh, and make sure before you start the car. Right? Mm -hmm. There's that part of the test. In Japan, it's the same, but there's actually a part of the test that if you don't either go to driver school or look on the internet or ask somebody you will not you will not you're not going to get it because you need to look underneath your car what before you start it look underneath your car for any cats that's interesting i think i heard another country that it was like a law that every time before you start your car you must look underneath and i think it was like for children and i was like why would children be under your car <laughs> wait, wait, wait children why children why would they be hiding underneath the well i guess i mean like Children and cats. <laughs> it's so weird. Children are like wild animals sometimes. They come and go as they please. It must have happened for them to make it a rule. There's there's actually a lot of stray cats here in Japan. So I wouldn't like put it past me uh, to have a stray cat underneath your car. But yeah, I mean, I, I made sure I did all of those things. And each time I got further in the test, almost like a game, it was strange. But they're like, okay, finally, you're 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 you succeeded and i'm just like thank thank you 
<laughs> I, I can now go drive. And then that's the whole other thing in terms of me driving in Japan is I don't, I still to this day do not really understand miles per hour versus kilometers per hour. So I'm just gauging it. <laughs> I'm gauging it. Just go slow. Just go slow. Just go about, <laughs> just go slow. Just go slow. Don't test anything. Before you started driving, I guess you took public transit. How is that? Is there a difference in public transit experience versus in the U.S. versus Japan? I'd have to say that there definitely is a difference. I've actually never really, I've never taken a lot of public transit in uh, the U.S. Uh, Alabama just doesn't really have that system built in, uh, whether it be the bus or the trains. But here in Japan, I, I think if you talk to anyone, any foreigners, we'll all just say like, it's amazing that the train system is built so complicated and so complex that you can really go anywhere. You can go from like the south, you know, the southern tip of Japan all the way up to like Hokkaido, the northern tip of Japan, just by train. And, you know, they have four different types. There's like a commuter train, of course, that skips certain stops or skips like the, you know, every stop, every other stop or something. And then they have like one that just goes straight to a certain place. And then they have the train that stops everywhere. But What's amazing is that uh, you can literally, they run on schedule. Buses here too, they run on the clock. So if you just need to make a plan to do something, just look on your phone, look up where you need to go, look up the route, and that train or bus will be there exactly that time, if not within the next minute. It's crazy. So you can, uh, you can, it's convenient. I know you mentioned earlier about train pushers. Have you ever experienced that or have you ever seen that happen? Yes. Yes. I've, I've had some, some, I think we all have train stories for, for the morning train. There's two trains, right? Morning train and the, uh, the, the evening train. So imagine that you are having, you know, morning rush hour traffic and evening rush hour traffic, but it's human bodies inside of a tight car. That's what that is. And what exactly have I ex experienced? I've experienced being a contortionist. I've been standing like literally for 30 minutes. I remember standing with like my arm over my head, but then like my one hand behind my back in like a weird way and turned like not in like a 90 degree angle. It was, I've experienced that uh, where all you're hoping for is someone to get off of the train. How long were you in that position? <laughs> Oh, no, no joke. Like 20 to 30 minutes, oh <laughs> 20 to 30 minutes. I've, I've had moments where like, um, and, and I try to be very conscious of other people because I know it's uncomfortable for me, but uh, I don't want other people to be uncomfortable, especially women on the train, because women on the train in Japan uh, already have problems in terms of, unfortunately, males kind of groping them or someone touching them. And, and I, number one, I don't want to be accused. I, I, I keep my hands to myself. But um, overall, like, I just want everyone to have a safe commuting experience as much as possible, uh, even though I'm in a contorted position. Uh, so I try to keep my hands in front of me as much as possible or as, use as minimal, much minimal space. I've seen a guy, and you'll see this often, even on like, I guess, documentaries or something uh, on Japan and train systems. When the train is full, it's normal in America or any other country, you would think no one can get on. It's fine don't get on. In Japan, people are like, I got to get to work. And they'll continue to shove themselves in. There's actually a part above the door where you can actually hold on to. You're not, it's not meant for you to hold on to. It's just, a, you know, like a little latch above the door kind of thing. People will actually hold on to it and then sh like shove themselves in 
and then just kind of push themselves in using that as leverage and uh, until the door closes. I've seen the door close on people's bags, their their uh, blazers. I've seen like just yeah, like clothes hanging out. Like your 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 clothes is, are, are hanging out right now. Like they're caught outside in the train. But the station managers or the station uh, the guards they they push them in. They don't say like no, you need to get off the train. Wait for the next one. It's like no, push them in, push them in. Now close the door. Okay, it's okay. Let the train go. That's that's what happens. Hopefully, no one had like a body part close on in the door. <laughs> There has to have had someone's had to have their um, their finger squished. The, in the, I mean, like the trains are very protective of not protective, but they have safety measures in place for that. There's there's a good amount of cushion, but it doesn't mean that someone hasn't exactly stuck their arm outside or something. Like that. <laughs> <Just> yeah, like, <laughs> I'm sure it's probably happened. Somebody and it must have been very painful. <laughs> it had to be really painful uh, if if someone did. I I I don't think it'll start. Hopefully, hopefully not. But typically, the the train experience outside of those times are is it's pretty nor like pretty nice. I end up going to sleep on the train or watching TV. Mainly going to sleep. I go to sleep a lot on the train when I can sit down. That's my hobby. <laughs> <laughs> now that we've heard all these crazier stories, let's get to know what type of driver you are. I know you touched on this briefly, and I feel like I know the answer to this question. But would you rather be the driver or the passenger if you had a choice? Passenger. I'd be the sleeping passenger. <laughs> Definitely be this passenger. Passenger. So have you ever gotten in a car as a passenger and wish you never got in, whether it was here in the U.S. or in Japan? I said, whoa. Um, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I don't believe I have. Only, only to the fact that like at any given time as a passenger, I've always gone to sleep at a point in time. So it's just like my time to relax. Yeah, I don't think I've ever just not liked being in the passenger side. I've never been with any crazy drivers, so. Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I am the crazy driver, so. Okay. <laughs> so you feel comfortable with others. <laughs> I feel I feel, I feel, feel comfortable. I'm a very trusting person, so I'll probably hop in the car and just be like, okay, just take me to the, just take me, take me there. No Wake me up, I'll when... fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll fall asleep. That's literally like. And sometimes I get self-conscious of it. Here in Japan, I, I used to play baseball on a team and, uh, you know, we'd have to drive to the games. And anytime I get a ride, you know, we're all in there and, I, and I'm, it's fine. There's nothing wrong. I, I'm very trusting that they're going to get us to the field. And along the way, I'm just like, oh man, I don't want to fall asleep because they'll all think I'm like, I don't know, like a baby or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I feel like, I feel like here it's like very normal. People are just like, all right, you drive, wake me up when I'm there. Just, just knock out. Just, yeah. just knock out. <laughs> just, yeah, that's my one, I guess, like fault as a driver is because I like sleeping. I'm unfortunate. I get really bad road hypnosis. Really bad road hypnosis. How would you describe just overall the kind of driver that you are? And would you say that like your family and friends would describe your driving in the same way? For me, I describe myself as a cautious driver but one who cannot drive more than an hour and 30 minutes. Exactly that number. Around that time, I uh, I start to fall asleep. And like, it's mainly on the interstate. Mainly on the interstate. Like, if it's like in the city, it's fine. Then I don't know. Then again, I don't know why you'd be driving an hour and a half in the city. But yeah, I get really bad road hypnosis to the point where even here in Japan, you know, I blare music or I'll like even pinch myself. I'll 
like talk out loud, anything. And if there's no passenger with me to try to stay awake and it just doesn't work. I've had so many moments, unfortunately, where I will wake up like, okay, it's time to stop. Wake up. Okay. It's time to stop. Wake up. I really should pull over. Wake up. Oh man. Just let me get home. Please let me get home in one piece. I just have really bad road hypnosis. Uh, in terms of like how people would say as a, like how I am as a driver, I think they'd say I'm actually fine because they never witnessed that horrible story. I just told you, (laughs) (laughs) but now they heard it (laughs) now, if they've heard it, uh, well, please always ride with me, uh, and stay awake to keep me awake. You just need that accountability partner. It's like, yes, I need you in my car. Exactly. I need, I need someone. Please help me. (laughs) So road trips are a no go (laughs) for you. Yeah, it's a no go. It's a hundred percent. Don't don't even try. <laughs> so, have you ever been in a situation where you've had to honk, or like, are you? Would you say you're a person who honks at people? No, I've never honked except for on accident once. I've really never used it. I'm I'm a very patient and calm driver. I, I actually get like really agitated, not agitated, but I get a little bit annoyed if someone behind me is like riding my bumper or something, or like they fly by me. Or they make a, you know, they just make you just do something that's like, why did you do that? But I never, I never honked my horn. I've never honked it. Yeah, I'm the same way. Have you honked your horn? No, like I feel like there's been so many situations where I should have as a warning to the other person. But both of our reactions are to get out of the way and save ourselves as opposed to honking that horn. Understandable. But I can say I finally crossed it off my bucket list. (laughs) Why it's on my bucket list, I don't know. (laughs) Why is this on the bucket list? Another story. Why? Because there's been so many, there's been like so many people that just like, I, I should have honked at you. Like you deserved it. And then I'm like, I'm gonna do it one time. And then I did. And I was like, yeah, (laughs) you deserved it. It felt, it felt like a, like a a relief, like a, like a thartic release of finally. Yeah. (laughs) I did it. They deserved it too. (laughs) And I never did it again. So. (laughs) Oh, hopefully, hopefully you won't have to, but chances are you may have to once again in your lifetime. One more time, maybe. One more. Look forward to it. <laughs> Every time I get behind the wheel, it's like I feel like I need to. But is honking like a big part of the Japanese driving culture? Because I know in like certain areas, like especially New York City, for example, honking is like a big thing. Everyone does it. Is it kind of like that in Japan or does like no one really honk? I've never like I've heard honking a few times in the in the city area like it's not as often in my experience of driving but like i remember last year and it became a thing on the news like the news picks up on weird stories but for about a whole month or two the news was reporting about road rage like this is the first time in japanese history road rage has existed people were like filming other people driving by flipping other people off like honking like crazy riding bumpers just to ride them I was, i'm like what what is, japan are you okay like what's happening right now <laughs> this doesn't happen usually but um apparently this time of the month for japan they're just like we're gonna focus on road rage so it does happen <laughs> they're probably like i just want to try it once <laughs> we just want to we just want to see because like the thing is is once someone sees something sometimes you know people try to imitate it and i felt like that's what was happening because they just kept on coming up with more and more stories i'm like what why how (laughs) (laughs) so speaking of road rage have you ever had it yourself or experienced it yourself no i've I've never experienced road rage my dad used to have like really bad road rage sometimes and i guess like for me when i like 
hear him just going off onto the car. I guess for me, I just was like, I don't want to do that. Instead, like I will, <laughs> if I'm on the interstate, I like to drive behind people or stay around other cars, uh, especially on the interstate where you can kind of do this, uh, that are in my uh, kind of judgment, like they're reliable. They're like road buddies. I, I literally call them, this is my road buddy for the trip. <laughs> Like they're driving like a consistent speed limit. Uh, they don't really move or make any kind of crazy adjustments, but they're like, you know, they're like a really reliable friend. They're there and and you can like, you can trail them. And then once you you pass them, you can be, you can feel like, I feel like, you know, thanks. You know, you, you helped me out. I, I really appreciate it. But then there's that one car that's just speeding and then they get past you or ride your bumper. I'm like, you know what? You drive safe. Don't hurt nobody. That's that's literally what I do. I speak to cars in that manner. That's my road rage. I feel like whenever we ask people this, they often mention their dads having road rage. I don't know if maybe it's just something with age or the more you drive, you just start to get less patient with other drivers. I, I bet that's the case. Like you just like because honestly, and I, I mean, I can understand this in terms of just like what I do for work now. Sometimes you kind of wonder like, how do people like come up with like, how do they do the things that they do? Right. And that's, I think that's more annoying than the fact that they actually did it or maybe both. It's probably both. <laughs> um, but yeah, then maybe that goes through your mind and it's just like, how can you turn like this? How can you do that? And then that, it just verbally comes out and then just gets you upset. So probably when you get older, it could be a thing. I'm going to check that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll probably check in with you and see <laughs> later down yeah. the line. <laughs> 20 years from now, let's do, a, let's do another interview. Let's check this out and see what type of drivers did we become? Yeah, have you gotten more road rage? <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a good future podcast idea right there. 20 years, do a follow-up interview with everybody. Have you improved or have you gotten worse? <laughs> exactly. You say that you're more of a like, patient driver. So what would you say is... The thing that annoys you the most about other drivers like what's your driving pet peeve definitely people who ride your bumper that's the number that's the number one that's definitely the number one people who ride your bumper um i can i can like tolerate anything but that because i get really self-conscious about my not my driving but just like me being safe on the road and then like i don't want to make a mistake i guess because of all those accidents right i don't want to make a mistake i don't want to mess up and, you know, the car behind me, when they're riding my bumper, I feel pressured. Like it, if I feel like it puts pressure on me and I get really like tense and it's like, okay, I, I need to get over and I need to let them pass. So I try not to put myself in that position on the highway, but if it's like in the city and it's like, oh my goodness, just, it's nerve wracking for me. So that's definitely the number one for me. That's, that's my pet peeve. I, I feel the same way. It's, I feel like if someone's like driving really close behind me, I feel like I have to like compensate for them and drive further back from the person in front of me so that I can react in time for them to react. And it's like, why do I have to drive for both of us? Right, right. That's ex that's exactly it. That's exactly it. And it's like we're taking the time to be safe drivers and trying to, you know, protect not only ourselves, but the people in front of us and hopefully the person behind us too who's being inconsiderate but yeah that's exactly the feeling so now that we know what kind of driver you are which it sounds like you're safe but then at the same time it's like do i want to get in because you fall asleep but <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna tell you now don't get in <laughs> in fact just drive and i'll sit on the passenger side <laughs> 
So let's go back to how it all first started. How would you describe your very first driving experience and who was it with? My very first driving experience would be with my my mother. And this was actually, <laughs> I was thinking about this. Um, I have really good experiences with my mom because she uh, just used to let me not drive at the wheel, like drive the car itself, but she drove a stick shift and when I was going to school, instead of just sitting on the side, you know, on the passenger side, she would make me shift the gears. I don't know why. I actually need to ask her, like, why did you make me shift gears for like literally all of middle school? And like, why? Uh, so I knew when to shift the gear, like when to go from first to second, third, fourth, and back to neutral and everything. And essentially she was just driving and didn't have to worry about it. She it was just, a win-win. And that was... <laughs> It, it was a win-win, right? She, I, maybe she thought she was teaching me something. Maybe, and she was. I can drive a stick, in quotes. Uh, <laughs> because when I got my permit, she was like, okay, I'm going to teach you how to drive, drive this, you know, drive my car. Uh, you've been driving stick. You've been practicing. You should know how to do it. It's easy. Just learn the timing on, you know, when you have to push the gas and, get, and take off the accelerator. I forgot. The brakes. Whatever that thing is. The clutch. <laughs> and I'll never forget it because it was like 30 minutes. And I just couldn't get from zero, like out of neutral to start, like to, to first gear. And my mom just goes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're tearing up my car. You're never doing this again. I'm going to get you an automatic. <laughs> that was that. <laughs> After that, you know, my dad actually took me out driving in parking lots and I just drove around. That was the, that was nice. <laughs> I didn't have to tear up a car. <laughs> it was good. It was good. So in Japan, do you drive an automatic or a stick shift? Automatic. Automatic. I'll probably always drive an automatic until one day I get a nice practice car. That's a stick. And I don't have to feel like, okay, if, if it breaks, it's not my fault. But, you know, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I always get an automatic. That's that's really interesting that your first time driving experience was, you know, with your mom and it was really good. I feel like a lot of the times we hear it's with their dad and they're like, it was not fun. I never want to drive with them again. <laughs> just, just giving orders. Like, wh what was, what were your first uh, driving experiences, or who were they with? Our dad, and uh, he is not the best teacher. He's all, he was very impatient. And oh, he just, not yeah. When I was first driving, I was like, because he taught Tarantit first. I and I saw how he taught her. I was like, nope, you're not getting in the car with me. <laughs> 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 it's just like no i have learned from experience i have seen i've seen the predecessor what you've done <laughs> yeah so she she taught me he taught her she taught me it, it, it's kind of maybe because like 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 we were talking about earlier the older you get the more you have your i guess your certain ways or patterns and things just agitate you like oh you're not doing it this way you need to do it this way this is the way that keeps you the safest but you're like but you can do it this way too. No, must be that way. <laughs> exactly. Especially when you're learning, you're going to make mistakes and you're like trying to figure it out and get the hang of it and like when, how to hit the gas and like how to, how much pressure to put on the brakes and all that. And it's just, he just like, he just wanted us to know it. Right. It's just like, give me time. <laughs> I, I, yeah, that definitely happened to me, especially with the, the gas. Uh, I remember one time and I just drove alongside, you know, like country roads. So no one's on the way, but I don't, I just remember like, Pressing the gas, and my dad was like, "Just press it lightly. Just press it lightly." And I thought I pressed it lightly, but I was like, "Oh, this is thirty. Whoa, whoa, whoa! This is fun." And my dad's like, "Stop, stop!" And so I, I stopped, but I didn't like gradually stop. I just stopped. <laughs> and he's like, "Like slammed on the brakes." <laughs> yeah, I slammed on the brakes, and he's like, "All right, we're gonna do this again slowly." <laughs> I'm like, "Okay." 
So how would you describe the, I know we talked about the driver's test earlier in Japan, but like what kind of stuff do they make you do on the driver's test? And is it different than the driver's test here in the U.S.? I'm going to recall that map in my mind. Uh, <laughs> I be, yeah, they definitely give you a map in the, in the U.S. too, I, I think, right, of the course. We did not get a map. Yeah. We didn't get anything. <laughs> oh. Lucky you. <laughs> well, well, we get a map because you need the map. Uh, the test goes exactly as that map goes uh the first part if if i remember uh you know of course after doing all your checks you do the uh turn there's a turn then there's a stop sign then there's a point where you need to speed up to like 45 miles an hour and then take a turn slow down then take a turn uh there's a point where there's that car like i was saying a big truck on the side of the road where you need to put your blinkers on and then you know, gradually get over, check the directions or your rear view mirrors and everything and get over. I will say, and I just remembered this, biggest, hardest thing about driving in Japan and in the States, going back and forth, the windshield wipers, they're on the opposite side. Are you serious? Those <laughs> that handles, makes sense. Those handles are on the opposite side. So anytime you think you're turning the lights on, you're actually turning the windshield wipers on. <laughs> <laughs> it's happened to me so many times. And in America, I'm like, wait, I don't, wait, I don't want to put the... I, Oh, come on. And then in Japan, I'm like, why? Just hit both of them. <laughs> if you hit both of them, you, you can't lose, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're safe. So that's on the test. There are no parallel parking. There's no parallel parking on the test, if I remember. But you will have to do a three-point turn and a, what is this? I called it a labyrinth before. Japan has a lot of narrow highways or narrow roads. Like, it's only enough for one car yet you'll see two cars coming into that place so they want you to be able to drive on a very narrow road so they simulate that by making an s curve and then they make a zigzag like hook thing i don't know it's like <laughs> it's literally like you have you cannot hit the sides but there's literally no room to to uh kind of maneuver if you don't take the turn the right way you have to go really slow like five miles an hour slow if you don't do it right, then you have no choice but to back up in a curve. That's how narrow it is. And that's where most people like, that's the final, like, you got to pass this part or else. Uh, that's everything on the test that I can remember. Definitely. It sounds like that test is way harder than the U.S. test. That, it's a it's a it's a test of all sorts. <laughs> there might be like there might be the parallel parking. I don't remember or it's backing in. I think it's backing in. And I don't know if I mentioned this. I, I don't think I did. But in Japan, 99% of the time you're going to back in. You'll never pull into a parking space. Oh, I think I would like that. I prefer reverse parking over forward parking. I just Really? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? I would never pull and park. I would never forward park if I was given the option. What? No. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> this is I'm like I'm like what? Mind blown. <sighs> really? <laughs> like that was that's the one thing in Japan that I it took me the longest time to get used to. Like every car here has a has a camera actually on the like on the bumper so you you can back in like you they want you to back in and they even have like the little lines to show you like okay here's the guiding lines it's like a game almost like a pull-in game huh. Just pull in that's really interesting i feel like i have way more visibility backing in like i can see my entire car with my mirrors and everything versus the front i just always was never able to judge how long the hood is and i was like it just feels so much easier you're definitely on a different spectrum. <laughs> you're on like you're on the you're on the upper class. That's the upper tier. Like, <laughs> I, huh? 
or actually, you know what? We're from Al- I'm from Alabama. Who knows? We don't know. Well, we probably don't know how to drive. That's that's okay. It's okay. <laughs> so, do you, do you know how to parallel park? I do know how to parallel park. I learned in my driving test back in the states uh, during driver's ed, and after that, I probably parallel parked. A, I don't know, maybe ten or fifteen, twenty times. Okay, maybe more, <laughs> but not. I don't think it's like as common, you know. But it's definitely something that when you learn how to do it, it's definitely a good skill to have. Definitely a good skill. I don't know. What do you, What do you think? Is it a good skill to have, or is it just like yeah, I, I'm just annoying. Yeah, I agree because our like Maryland has taken it off the test. So when our brother went to go take the his driver's test, he only had to reverse park and then go on the road. That was it. Really? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Did you feel cheated? <laughs> I do. I feel Did like you feel cheated. I feel like it had it so simple, and then now every literally anyone can get their license. I feel like it's just so easy, which is scary because I feel like it's important. You need to know how to do it because there's a lot of big cities, and even if you're not in a big city, there's a lot of places where you need to be able to parallel park. And if you don't, it's like, what are you gonna do? Just keep driving in circles, like, like what are you gonna do? No, no, that's 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 definitely true. I mean, you have to, especially like. And I've noticed it at least every time I've had to parallel park, it's been on a hill. I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because of Alabama. I think even in San Francisco, like my friend, uh, when when we were driving, it's like, okay, I need to like park on the side of the road. And like, if you're in those kind of areas, well, you just, like, you're going to have to parallel park. There's no no way around it. Right. So it's, it's really a useful skill, but it's kind of, man, it, yeah, it should be on every test. Should be there. Standard. I feel like parallel parking in San Francisco would be hard, especially because of all the hills. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. The the hills issue is it's like number one, you don't want to like I guess when you're parallel parking, do you always think about like your your hubcaps or just like the side of your tires not get, getting too close to the side of the road, but at the same time trying to perfectly parallel park? Yeah, at an incline. Yeah, <laughs> and at an incline. <laughs> that incline is so annoying. Yeah, I don't know if I would so be annoying. able to do it there. But that's like a whole nother level. Just find me a reverse parking spot. It's <laughs> <laughs> just the reverse one. Yeah. Uh, it's it's next tier. San Francisco is next tier driving uh, for parallel parking. And I guess for traffic to at least L.A. Like I've I've been in L.A. traffic as a passenger. I never want to do it again. <laughs> never want to be <laughs> the driver. <laughs> I never want to be the driver. I really don't want to be the driver. That's just... That my if my limit is an hour and a half, but that entire hour and a half is in traffic, I don't know what I would do. What would I do? Yeah, then you probably don't want to hear how long our commutes are to work. How long are your commutes to work? <laughs> hour and a half. Oh. Hour and a half there, an hour and a half back. <laughs> oh well, then um, that's that's like the the amount of time it actually took me to like to go to like the biggest city or one of the biggest cities uh, in Alabama. But yeah, that's it. That's the same amount of time it takes me to uh, commute here in Japan, just on train. So I'm just like an hour and a half on the train, sleeping in peace. Yeah, well, at least you, at least you get the train option. <laughs> so time for our final bonus question. If you could make one new driving law, what would it be? I'm going to leave that that silence in there. <laughs> leave the silence <laughs> um, What would it, a new, like any law... Um, wow. Cause it can be, you know what I, if I could make a law, I would like to make a law that would have all cars. And this would be like something that the manufacturers would have to change for all of their cars. But 
you know, there's like kind of smart cars like they, and I've, I've kind of, I've been in one actually where it'll kind of adjust your, uh, it'll let you know, like, okay, you're too far to the left or there's a car coming or it'll, it'll kind of stop before you pull out or something like that. Uh, and before you hit something, right? Those sensors. And I think that's really, really good. And I wish it could be a law that every car was like, had that as like standard, like a base feature. Um, like, so all cars could be safe cars or safer cars. I don't know if that's the kind of law you're looking for, but that's the one I want. Hey, that's, that's a really interesting law. I feel like that is very important and hopefully... Or maybe we will get there at one point where all cars will have that. Yeah, that and, um, of course, eco, eco-friendly eco cars. Um, but just having those top-of-the-line features that are really for safety and then also for the environment become standard in the base model cars. Like I, I, One day I hope that that's something that, um, that happens for everyone across the board because then it just means that we're all happy and the planet's also happier. As happy as it's going to get, thinking happy thoughts. Yeah, as happy as we can make it. <laughs> as happy as we can make it. <laughs> recover ozone um, slowly. Wait, that does recover, right? It does. Oh. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts or any tips you would like to give other drivers? Tips on driving? Of course, uh, as you already know, I'm a very safe driver. But I would say like, A, uh, just be able to understand how you drive as a, as a driver, uh, what type of driver you are. Even using some of the questions you heard today, I think that it's a good way to kind of diagnose what kind of driver you are and then use that knowledge to uh, be a better driver, whether it's become a more cautious driver or as they say, like aggressive, cautious, wait, aggressive, defensive, passive, just, you know, improve your driving whatever way you can. If you're like me and you fall asleep at the wheel, you should take this advice and pull over and I don't know, get yourself an energy I, I haven't figured out how to remedy it, but you should definitely pull over, take a little time. If you need to grab a nap, grab a nap somehow, but take the time to uh, to, to drive safely. Uh, I think that's uh, that's my parting advice to everyone here. Yeah, that's a good point because I feel like a lot of accidents that do happen are due to sleep deprivation. And it's just, if you don't think you can drive, I think you should pull over. That Just for your safety and other safeties. So where can listeners find you? Yes, you can all find me. Uh, thanks for listening. My name is Adrian and my co-host, Alex. Uh, we are part of the Unknown Games podcast. You can find us on anchor.fm backslash UGPcast. You can follow us on Twitter and also Instagram at UGP underscore cast. Uh, we have new episodes every Friday. We're a video game podcast. We talk about mainly any kind of video game, but also Japanese video games and our life in Japan. So we've got some crazy, fun culture stories, similar to like the train thing that we, uh, we were talking about earlier on this podcast. And yeah, you can find us there. iTunes, Google Play Podcast, pretty much any podcasting service, we're there. Thank you so much, Adrian, for coming on. It was really interesting to hear your perspective on Japanese drivers versus drivers in the U.S. and getting to know what kind of driver you are. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I really enjoyed it. Uh, you both have a wonderful podcast. And uh, I know, I hope the audience enjoys my stories. At least they learn <laughs> not to fall asleep at the wheel. <laughs> Safety first.
This episode was a really interesting one, especially since we got to see how different driving in Japan is versus in America. I was already expecting some of the things I was expecting, especially since we've been to India. And I feel like a lot of Asian countries are similar in terms of driving in that way. But the uh, the one thing that like really surprised me was the fact that in the cities, people speed but then in the country, out in the rural parts, people drive, in his words, grandma speed. <laughs> exactly, which is, I feel like, the opposite of what happens here because in the country, it's more open roads yeah. and, like, you can just, you have that space to just go fast. And the speeds are already faster in the country. And then the city is constant stop and go traffic. I guess it makes sense in, like, an Asian country because people don't follow the laws as much and there's probably more weaving yeah, why? How can you possibly do that in the city versus like, why aren't you doing that in the country? Yeah, and he drives an automatic there, so that makes it easier for him. But a lot of other countries, the car that's readily available is a manual. Yeah. And his driver's test experience there, I was just like, wow, it's so difficult in comparison to what it is here. Because one, you have to look under the car for animals. Like that's part of the check that you have to do before you even start the test here just make sure you buckle your seatbelt yeah (laughs) you buckled your seatbelt make sure your mirrors are good like pretend to like wiggle them for the instructor (laughs) yeah and then you go his is like the test itself there's this complicated ass-shaped narrow lane road thing that you have to drive but it's it's like to simulate the actual roads of japan so it's like that's scary yeah but they don't have parallel parking i don't know which is harder do you think that s-shaped turn is harder or would the parallel parking be harder yeah i don't know i haven't seen japanese roads but then there's also like if you're like I can't drive on the road and you want to take public transportation. How he mentioned that he has practically been a contortionist. And, oh my! Gosh. Oh my god! I can. I mean, I can see it because again, Asian countries I feel like are similar in this in the fact that they just like pack everyone in. They're like, I don't care. Like I'm getting in. I'm going. Like on this train, <laughs> not waiting. So he has to stand in this awkward position for who knows yeah. how long he's on the, in that position. You know, in this packed train, even if 10 people get off, I feel like he's still in that crammed position. Yeah, what would you do? Would you shove yourself in using that little leverage of a little handle that's not really for that purpose? But no, I feel like <laughs> no. I, I wouldn't. No, I couldn't do it. I would be so scared. Wouldn't or couldn't? <laughs> You're like, I wouldn't, couldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't and I couldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't end. You just bounce back out like, oh, make room. Oh, tunk. Nope. Okay. I'd be like, nah, I'll be here all day waiting for a space. I might as well just go buy a car and like. <laughs> exactly. Get in a taxi, right? But we hope you enjoyed Adrian's stories. And if you or anyone else you know has crazy driving stories and would love to be a guest on the show, fill out the interest form on our website at drivewithuspodcast.com. And stay tuned until the end for a sneak peek of next week's episode where we're joined by Evan Money. And he shares with us his experience of hitchhiking in a trash truck and his crazy directions he got while he was in Mexico. Thanks for driving with us. Love this episode of Drive With Us? Leave us a review on iTunes or Podchaser and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Drive With Us Podcast. And now, a sneak peek.
you know, I was the president of the crappy car club and I couldn't afford to have anyone fix them. And I was like, man, I got to get to work. So I stuck my thumb out trying to hitchhike. I had people honking their horns, screaming things. I had people telling me I was number one, but with the other finger. And everybody's like, Evan, what are you doing? 